0: Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am so excited to have on a very special guest making his debut on the Mile High Sports side of things for for me. Uh, as before, I was at Denver Stiffs and and doing my thing there, but now that I'm officially at Mile High Sports, my friend Swipe a Cam, he has been a, a strong pillar for me in my movies but he's been one of the most supportive people in the entire on the entire internet sphere of the the move that i've done and he's he's my personal hype man and i will never ever get tired of it and never ever forget it swipe a cam thank you so much you are the
1: hype man of nuggets twitter man what's going on right yeah i hope everything's going well for you always excited to create some content with you. And, man, Mile High Sports is blessed to have you in the audience. Man, y'all are in for a special treat this year, especially with how basketball is going to look for the Denver Nuggets. So I'm excited that you're with them, man.
0: We're talking about this just, just before we we push the record button here. A lot of other teams have been having a party on the court, like when they come into Denver. I think Denver's going to be that team this upcoming season that has a party on the court. And when everything kind of clicks together, once once you kind of get past the rustiness of MPJ and Murray and getting some of the new guys in and ready to go, once that December, January, February time hits, I really do think it's going to be fun. And we're we're going to get to be hype men. Like, it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, I think everybody has kind of, you know, we have been in this waiting period over the last year and a half, ever since Jamal Murray went down. And I think at that point in time, we were all maybe excited for the upcoming rest of the season, the playoffs, and this next season. But we have not seen the fully formed Nuggets since April 2021. So I think that we are about to see the crescendo of all of the ingredients finally coming together. And it's going to be one of the greatest seasons we've seen in Denver Nuggets history. From a fan experience standpoint, I think because of the level of talent that the Nuggets have, an on-court standpoint as well.
0: Oh, man, we're, we're going to get more into this in the third segment, but I, I'm really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's just, just going to be so many parts of the season that Nuggets fans can be excited about. One thing that can't be excited about right now is that basketball has been going on, except for a very special game that happened today earlier in Belgrade, Serbia, between Team Serbia and Team Greece the World Cup qualifier. This was an insane game. And first of all, I got to give a shout out to my guys over at DNVR. Adam, Harrison, Brendan, uh, D-Line Co., Dev, uh, Kale was up there. Uh, Miroslav was there. Oh, gosh, who who else was there? Ryan, oh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Green was there. I think that's it. I don't think I'm missing anybody. But, my God, what a crew. Those guys are fantastic. And they did something for the Nuggets fan base that nobody has done before so far. They deserve so much credit for it, for bringing Serbia and the culture of Nikola Jokic to life.
1: Yeah, and I think that as people that have been watching, uh, not just their interaction with the food, which has been excellent, their interaction with the people has been stupendous. I mean, the storytelling, and I think what Nuggets fans should be most happy with and maybe most proud of, is that the Serbian people who watch the Denver Nuggets, who watch it because of Nikola Jokic, they are Nuggets fans now and they buy into the team. They care about the success of the team just as much as people from Denver in a lot of ways. So, and people, you know, just again, across the, across the country and across the world as well. So it's been really special watching the, the reaction that people have had to Denver Nuggets basketball.
0: It's been awesome. and. You knew that a game that was in Belgrade, Serbia, the capital in Serbia, for it was going to be lit. It was going to be crazy. Team Serbia, they have a very important game. If they didn't win this game, they're basically going to be eliminated from World Cup competition. You knew it was going to be lit. And my God, it was lit, man. Just the the environment. I, I wasn't there, obviously. You weren't there, obviously. I, the, the DMVR crew was there, so make sure to give their, their content to listen for sure. But this came through... Every TV device, every listening device that you possibly could have seen and, and heard. It was an unbelievable environment.
1: Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it cannot be overstated how significant it is that perhaps, Ryan, you tell me for the first time in NBA history that perhaps the, among many basketball circles, consensus best two players in the NBA. Played an international friendly game overseas, and you got a chance to watch two competing countries with that level of talent to put everything on the court the way that they did, and to where you got a 48 and 5 game from Yonatan Titakumbo, a 29, 8, and 6 game from Nikola Jokic. That again, the crescendo is the word that is hitting me today of the entire moment was the Sombor shuffle from the right corner, almost at the three-point line over Giannis's head that helped to put them ahead and ultimately win the game, Serbia versus Greece. You couldn't have told a better story in Rudy, Ryan.
0: It was awesome, man. Serbia wins 100-94 in overtime over Greece, and both of those guys were epic. It, it was unbelievable to watch both of these guys go off because you, you know that... Uh, the competition's probably less than what a, a standard NBA playoff game is, is what I would say. But all of those guys are talented. Like it was pretty clear that the, the Greek players were talented. Nikolathis and Tyler Dorsey are epic in, in Euroleague. And obviously you've got a bunch of guys for team Serbia that have been around the block and been doing this forever. I I've saw a lot of role players that I was really impressed with on that team. and, and, But it really came down to the two giants. It came down to the two pillars of basketball. And Jokic going at Giannis on both ends of the floor was really, really interesting. On offense, he was bullying him into the post under the rim, also hitting the the fadeaways and the sambar shuffles and the hook shots over all the contests. On the defensive end, though, Jokic was doing a really good job. I I know Giannis had 40 points. (laughs) It It sounds whack when I say it like that. But the way that Jokic defended Giannis was really, really impressive. Giannis got a lot of his points in other ways, kind of p- plays that either Jokic had to give up on or they were scored on against other guys or in transition or things like that. So I thought that Jokic defended Giannis as well as he ever has, and it led to a Serbian win in what was a massive, massive game.
1: Yeah, again, this, this concept, right, of stopping Giannis, who maybe is one of the five greatest rim pressure basketball players in the history of the game, who's at the apex of his powers, just not going to happen. But what Jokic was able to do in the second half, especially, is he was able to lock in defensively enough that Giannis tried repeatedly on multiple possessions to get by Jokic and could not do it because Jokic has gotten to a place where he knows how to use his body better than he has before. He's quicker than he's ever been. And he also understands how Giannis wants to play. And it's almost like he was evaluating him in the first half when Giannis, I think, had like 25 points or so. And then in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter, Jokic was like, all right, you know, I know what he wants to do. He wants to try to get to the rim this way. I'm going to make sure that I'm standing standing in front of him. I'm not buying on any of these hesitations and pump fakes. And again, I'm going to make him shoot the mid-range. I'm going to make him shoot the three-pointer at the top of the key. And if he makes it, if he makes it. But I'm not letting him get to the rim. And so Jokic really had a great steal as well, like, later in the game. Like, he really shows some defensive chops today.
0: It's impressive. It's it's one of those things that I don't think anybody would really expect in this matchup between these two teams. Like when you think about the the perception of Jokic from everybody, him locking up Giannis is not what they they would they would expect. It's not what they would have seen. And he didn't lock him up. He just had success in in his possessions, and really, that's all you need when you're playing against arguably the best player in the world. I think you could argue this both ways, but Jokic defended Giannis really well. It helped him get a win. Team Serbia, though, I think they had they gave Jokic the better help than what Greece gave to Giannis, and that really was the difference. again uh, Haramez, or Jarames one of the one of the pronunciations. He was the point guard that replaced Vasa Micic when he went down with an ankle injury, and Haramez was just fantastic. He was he was unbelievable on some of those shots, and it, it's really fun to watch guys like him. Vladimir Lucic was very good as a role player. Uh, Nikola Milotinov, he was the backup behind Nikola Jokic, and one of the reasons why Jokic didn't play as much as Giannis was because he had an excellent backup center behind him, and they actually made up some ground in those minutes. He was great.
1: Milotinov was excellent. There was actually a late shot clock where somebody tried to shoot a three-pointer in a quarter, got it blocked. Milotinov caught the ball in midair, air and did an underhanded George Jervin finger roll off the glass while he was catching it off kilter, body hanging at an angle, and somehow went in. And I'm like, man, is this like a Serbian straight where you just know how to get all the awkward angles in order to get the ball into the basket? And man, I, I just think that the role players were excellent. I, it's so funny. Like, right. Tell me if you do you feel like Serbia and Greece. But they were able to play at like an elite level, like an elite level of constant with elite level of concentration throughout the entirety of the game. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was looking at Serbia play in this whole game. and I'm like, I'm not going to hold you. I think the Denver nuggets need to bring some of this back to Denver with them.
0: Oh, no doubt. Like, I think Lucic could play in the NBA for sure. Militinov was a first-round pick by the Spurs. He hasn't been brought over yet. He's talented for sure. Uh, Vasemic was probably the the second-best player on the Serbian team. Got injured today and they were still able to stick it out. But so many of the, these serves were, were so poised in this moment, which it would be really easy to crack under this pressure. You're playing at home in front of your home crowd. This is such a massive game because if you don't win this one while Jokic is here, it's going to be really hard to make the World Cup qualify or to make the World Cup. But they did win it. And I, I am very impressed with the, the NBA level talent they have. They didn't even have Vialica or Bogdan Bogdanovich. And those are two major NBA talents, major NBA players that have been successful at the international level. So if you ask me, like I think Serbia could really win the World Cup. Like I have no doubt that they could, as long as everybody's healthy, as long as everybody's going the same direction. But there's no question that they have the talent to do it next year.
1: No, they do. I mean, a lot of NBA talent. I think that the way they play together, the chemistry, they're all bought into a singular identity as well. So again, I'm not going to pretend to be a savant uh, of, of Serbian basketball international national team, but just from what I was able to, to watch and the players I do know that they have, uh, I was really impressed with what they were able to do. And you know what, they're going to be able to make a solid run. As you said, if they stay healthy and they're able to continue to put it together and stack some wins. They might be able to make it happen. Uh, I'm not going to hold you. You know, watching Slovenia and Luka go off the way he is as well. Like, and obviously you have Greece. and Then there's some other countries involved. And that is, I mean, it's really going to be great. And by the way, I believe today was a record, a FIBA record for uh, a game, and I think in the EuroBasket with the, which uh, I like had 19,000 plus people that attended the game in Belgrade today. So I'm just go to show you, like. Not only people that are familiar with the NBA, but people that are across the world knew how big of a matchup this was to have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic facing off in a game of this magnitude and it came down to the wire. So it was excellent across the board.
0: It's great showmanship. Like that's that's one of the things that there's sometimes where the NBA does this really well and there's sometimes where they really lack. This was a definite game where the showmanship was at a very high level. Uh, you had Jokic doing his thing, and and you had a lot of buzzer beaters. There was a first quarter buzzer beater by uh, Haramez. That was really impressive. Uh, you had Giannis making his shots, and uh, Thanassis was doing a whole bunch of uh, busybody annoying stuff, but he got some dunks in there, too. It was very impressive to watch the Antetokounmpo's. uh But to give you a perspective and to give the listeners a perspective of where kind of the World Cup stands right now for Serbia, because I think Nuggets fans are going to be Serbian fans for for much of this, unless they have a a direct tie to another team. Uh, Serbia is two and three in their World Cup group. It's group I, and there are six teams in that group. The top three teams advance. So you have to be in the top three in terms of points. They're actually calculated two points for a win, one point for a loss. I'm not sure why they do that, but uh, you've got uh, Latvia leading with nine points. Greece and Belgium are tied with eight. Serbia and Turkey are tied with seven, and Great Britain is at six. So you've got five more qualifying games for all of those teams. So they're halfway done. So this isn't like uh, this this doesn't guarantee that Serbia gets into it, but it sets them up into a good place. They play Turkey on Sunday. So if they lose that game, that's also really bad. They need to win that game, and if they do, they will be in third place heading into the next uh, kind of round of qualifying games. But it should be very interesting, I think, to see whether Serbia can hold up here and if they do end up making the World Cup, I don't know if because in the next round of all of the in the next round of all of the qualifying games, Jokic is not going to be available, Bielis is not going to be available, none of the NBA guys are going to be because it's during the NBA calendar. So uh they're gonna have to step up without those guys. But if they can, I really do think that this is a team that could go all the way. We've seen USA struggle in recent years in order to kind of mesh together and do their thing they don't take the World Cup as seriously as they do the Olympics. So uh, we're just going to have to see, but I, I do think that Serbia has a chance, people.
1: Yeah, and it's actually really, int- it's really good to watch as well, like how much, how invested uh, these countries are in this process and in these games and these matchups. Uh, again, being from the United States, you everything is about you're going to win and so even like the the build up and anticipation is not there as much as did you win by 38 or 40 points if you don't then there's something wrong you know so this is just a different approach and so i actually really appreciate it and and i'm very glad and i'm curious how this process worked out for the rest of the, the rest of the tournament
0: should be a lot of fun. Hey, everybody, let's take a break when we come back. We're gonna we're gonna focus more on Jokic and Giannis, but kind of turn to a more of an NBA perspective on it and how these guys are are just becoming the pillars of the NBA. But first, summer is here. There's no better time to make your first bet with SuperBook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com. They'll match 100% of your money, up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. all the love and support on the program. As always, if you can, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars and on that. the podcast would be fantastic. Haven't gotten a new review in since June. And the last one that I got said that I had an annoying voice, which was very irritating. But I don't think I have an annoying voice, I actually think it's Fine, like in, in terms of voices, I think mine ranks ranks reasonably well, but that is that is perfectly fine. I think it was just a troll swiper.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to hold you. As somebody who uh, does a lot of public speaking, I know voices, and you, my friend, have a very very good podcast voice. So I don't want to hear that. Uh, we don't want any <laughs> trolls and haters out here. <laughs>
0: Thank you, my friend. Uh, Everybody, make sure to go uh, check out Swipe's YouTube channel, uh, Swipe a Cam. He does reactions to every single Nuggets game. He does intermediate content between those games, talking about all the big moves, has all of the shows that you want on your Denver Nuggets. He does a fantastic job. Make sure to go take a look. Uh, Swipe we have Jokic and Giannis in this massive battle. I'm surprised that the NBA didn't really prop it up a little bit more that it wasn't really hyped up then more than it was because this was a a massive game uh for both sides, but I think we're nearing the end of an era. LeBron is going out. Not sad, like that's that's not how I would describe it, but it's, it's very pedestrian in terms of what you would expect from maybe the greatest player of all time. Probably not, but Uh, in that conversation when you talk to people in the barbershop for sure um Katie and Curry they are still excellence that that's not really changing anytime uh relatively soon but father time does come for everybody at some point that those guys are they're fantastic but they're in their mid-30s you're you're getting into a new era where they're probably not being an MVP level going forward Harden is already starting to regress Russell Westbrook is gone Blake Griffin is gone. Those guys, they're, they're not dead, but like they're dying. <laughs> there's there's no doubt about that. Uh, swipe is muted on his side, but he's going crack it up and it just just can't can't contain himself. Uh Damon Kyrie, they're they likely in another stage of their careers, as is Jimmy Butler, maybe even Anthony Davis, although that's a little weird. Uh, the NBA world, I think we're at kind of a place where so much of what people value and so much what they want to prop up, it's changing. And I think people are kind of struggling right now, figuring out
1: what they should be valuing. You know, what's hilarious about that. I also agree that the NBA should have done more to prop up this game, but am I surprised the NBA didn't do more? No, I'm not, I'm not at all. And I think again, it goes back to what you value Giannis. It's not your prototypical NBA superstar. Nikola Jokic, by dang sure, it's not your prototypical NBA superstar. He received his back-to-back MVP award. By the way, there's only 15 people that ever win more than one MVP award in NBA history. and There's only 13 people that ever win back-to-back MVP award in NBA history. And he received it where? At a stable called Dreamcatcher. One that he grew up on and that he now owns. And Songbor Serbia. So which is dope, is, by the way. It, right. it, was, it was
0: fantastic that they did it for Joker that way. Maybe not for the NBA that way. And they they probably should have leaned into it a little bit more. But uh, I do agree though, like, hey, it was a little
1: weird. It was a little different. And that's but that's the part of these two, right? They're just different players. Giannis. Again, coming from Nigeria, going to Greece and having to overcome all these obstacles, not really knowing how to play basketball, and then become who he is today? A back-to-back MVP, four straight consecutive first-team all averaging unanimous 25, 10, and 5. And then you got a Defensive Player of the Year, NBA Finals champion, NBA Finals MVP, 50-point game six closeout with 14 rebounds. You got that story, and then you got Nikola Jokic. You got the kid who was overweight, who didn't really know how to play a lot of great basketball for a lot of years. He comes in 41st overall pick in the draft. He then eventually goes on to the Denver Nuggets. He gets second rookie. Who's this guy? Really good story. And then he transitions from a good story to a star to a back-to-back MVP. All of that, Ryan, is a part of this new narrative, this new collection of talent that we are seeing. And I absolutely agree that Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo are the two best players on planet earth right now. And they are doing it in ways that are completely unique to them. And I'm honestly, I don't think that we've seen players like them ever in the history of our sport.
0: How many social posts do you think were on the crossover event last weekend?
1: Oh, I have I have no idea. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think many. How do you? How many do you think there were? Oh,
0: oh, there were way more than what we're on for for, for this World Cup qualifier. That's for sure. Like, like for the NBA, for ESPN, for everybody that's hyping that up. That was a, a a scrimmage. That obviously, like, it's important to some folks. Like sure. the the pro am aspect is important to some folks, but it's also a competition that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of like competing. Like this is one where it was a super big deal where you've got these two pillars of basketball startup who are going off and and playing each other and just one-upping each other every which way that they can during this game. And I think that it just goes to show like they're focused on the wrong things. They have been focused on the wrong things and, and telling that story I think is so important, but I don't think they've told it well because Jokic and Giannis have combined for the last four MVPs. None of the guys that I listed before, I don't think any of those guys are going to win another MVP in their careers. Like we have, a, we have reached a different level, a different era in terms of who is dominating the sport. Teams is a little bit different. I think you could say that Steph and the Warriors are going to continue to dominate because they've got a great team, because they've got a great formula. And Steph is a fantastic player. Is he the MVP? No. No, I don't think anybody like would. I mean, there there are, are going to be people that will seriously argue it, but Warriors
1: fans would absolutely disagree with you.
0: They're they're rabid man, but like also if they have a generational defensive star playing next to him, so it, it's it's tough. Like you got you got to balance the two, and, and then you've got Luca who's up and coming as well. Like he will join this conversation sooner rather than later. And Embiid is right on the precipice of this convo, uh, not quite there in my opinion. Younger guys like Zion, Tatum, Ja, Trey, like you could list a lot of guys that will eventually be in this conversation in terms of pillars of the NBA, but they're not there yet. And right now it's Jokic and Giannis that are controlling things. And for the next three to five years, I think you could say that.
1: But you know what's so interesting is that I, I, people, it took people a while to get by into Giannis, I think, because Giannis had to win a championship in order to become solidified. Jokic hasn't yet won that. As a matter of fact, Ryan, uh, from outside perspective in the NBA, he's gone out sad because he got swept by the sun. He got born by the Golden State Warriors. And I think for a lot of people, they look at that and they say, well, how good is he actually? Yeah, he won two MVPs, but we actually might prefer Joe B. So th- I think there's a lot of different things that are happening right now. And I think there is a new wave of appreciation. And I'm not going to, Ryan, as a matter of fact, you notice know the NBA schedule maker, they made their schedule based on NBA Twitter. Do you think that the NBA was surprised with the amount of people that were invested in the game that we saw today?
0: They might've been like, they certainly might've been surprised. I I don't think they, I don't think they like Giannis and Jokic is not on national TV this year. I, I don't really understand why the bucks and the nuggets don't play on national TV. I think they may have one NBA TV game, but other than that, like, none of it is showcased. None of it is is put on a pedestal like it should be. You've got the guys who have made four of the last MVP trophies. Like, that is, like, a chunk of time. All four, like, they've been on the All-NBA, like, seven of the eight All-NBA times. They've been, been like, it's just it's unbelievable that, that right. it just hasn't happened.
1: But right. I don't know. Are you, the last time we had players win two MVPs in a row was Steph freaking Curry? And LeBron James. This is this is this is where they are. Like they've reached that territory of like, hey, you know how LeBron and Steph Curry defined a generation of basketball and are still defining it? Well, best Jokic you know, and that's Giannis. So you would hope that the NBA continues to invest more in that story. Hey, how do we not let our product get stale? How do how do we not focus on LeBron James and start talking about Bronny James and how great or how bad he's gonna be? Is he gonna be a first round overall pick? You have two players that are literally not just pillars, they are both potentially Pantheon NBA great players, right? Like I, I think, and you tell me if I'm tripping, right? Come at Luca in here. I think that there's an argument that at the end of their careers, let's say the next 15 years, not even the end, the next 15 years, I think Luca, Jokic, and Giannis could all be top 15 players 15 years from now.
0: I don't think you're tripping. I, I think that there's a lot of people that will, Default to the older heads. They'll default to the players. They'll like like Will Chamberlain is is going to automatically get a bit into that conversation no matter what. And like you're gonna get the the folks that say like, hey, Bill Russell, rest in peace to him. He is all automatically going to be a top fifteen NBA player for the rest of his career. So or for the rest of his uh not career, for, like, the, for the rest like, of time. Yeah, right. like like that. Some of those things. Some of those spots are never going to change. LeBron, MJ, they're, they're set in stone basically where they are. Kareem set in stone. Uh, we'll see whether those guys can jump into it. It would mean passing guys like KD and Steph and uh, I, I don't know. Charles Barkley's on the edge of that conversation. or Kevin Garnett,
1: uh, Oscar Robertson, Kevin Durant, yeah. Charles Barkley.
0: There's a lot of guys that I think they can realistically pass if they dominate the NBA like we're talking about. But I do understand some of the hypocrisy in what I'm saying, where I'm saying, oh, yeah, Jokic is, is one of the pillars of the NBA when he hasn't gotten out of the second round in each of the last two years. He needs to do more. Uh, you talked about going out sad, Like, Joel Embiid went out sad. Like, like if we're talking about anybody, going out sad. Like, let's be honest. like it's, That's just the, the name of the game right now. But uh, honestly, you give those guys healthy rosters and you're going to watch them cook i i I think that that's really where we're at with this if you take away their weaponry you see it with each of those guys they can be neutralized
1: look I, i just think people need to put in context Giannis, without chris middleton went and played against the boston celtics ryan he had a 44 20 and six game in the playoffs Giannis. He then, in a game seven, had a bad quote unquote game seven at 25, 20, and nine. And he lost without his second best player. But it took a historic level of offensive and defensive production from the Boston Celtics to, to keep him from winning that series. Jokic, people got on in the first two games when he averaged 26, 11, and five versus Ward. Right. For the next three games, he averaged 35, 15, and six on 73% true shooting. And it took the NBA champions to get him out. So to your point, if you give these two players formidable rosters, healthy rosters, I I would be willing to put those teams up and those players up against anybody else in the NBA. That's how good they are.
0: And it's going to take them to prove it. Like, on, honestly, I think I think Giannis has already they, he's entered that conversation. I don't think anybody really questions that. With Jokic, I do think that they question and and like I think it's fair uh, to a degree. I think everybody's got to understand. Okay, this is what Giannis did when he had this situation where he had some some. Uh, mess-ups before, learned from his mistakes. They added a guy like Drew Holiday, and then they won a title. You take away some of his uh, weaponry with Chris Middleton, and, and okay, so it's not, not a surprise that he went out in the second round, but nobody blamed him for that. Why are people blaming Jokic for the way that he went out against right. that NBA champion? I, did, I just... I never got it. I do understand that he has weaknesses, but Giannis has weaknesses. We saw that. Like he, he shoots 30% from three and he takes a lot of them. Like that's probably a reasonable weakness that people and Jokic specifically in this game exploited. So we're going to talk like, like it's going to continue to evolve. Nobody is perfect. Everybody has their own kind of weaknesses and strengths, but in terms of like, minimizing those and then making those not matter jokic and Giannis are two of the best
1: one thousand percent and guess what Ryan? i think people have a misconception when they talk about players right i'm not gonna lie to you i've only seen two players in my lifetime that don't have weaknesses and it's when i watch michael jordan when he was at his apex with the chicago bulls and lebron james at his apex at his apex from 2012 to 2018, and when he was going to those eight finals, it didn't. Those they could shoot, they could dribble, they could get to the basket, they could mid range, they could they could they could dunk on you, they could play make, they could play defense. But again, those are the two best players ever, right? Yeah. So let's take a step down from that. That's somewhere where Giannis and Jokic are going to fill out. They're going to be in that step down category. But like I said, if you surround them with 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 equitable talent that helps them to compete at a competitive level, I would take those two over anybody else. And that's even without Jokic having proven it, quote unquote, yet, because we've seen Jokic do it enough in tight spots and in playoff situations to know that he can get the job done with good help around him.
0: Do you think that people like, I've heard this argument made before by some folks that and you had MJ just just for his, for a full decade plus was just an unbelievable, uh, had no holes in his game player. Nobody could ever really criticize him. He made sure that nobody could criticize him. Six and oh, like uh, the, the entire story is told that way. With LeBron, he went to the, the Eastern Conference or to the NBA Finals, like nine straight years or what, whatever the, the number was. And once he made it and once he won, then he was kind of, that was kind of his golden age where everybody, there's no questioning what he does anymore unless you're Skip Bayless. Like, I think that we kind of have to get past that point. And you mentioned this, that like we're in a different era where the players are different. There is no alpha mega star where that guy rules the world. Like you have Jokic and Giannis, I think, are battling for that crown, but they're going to do it in different ways. They're not necessarily like those alpha mega killers that I think people wanted to kind of turn Kobe into that LeBron ultimately became. But MJ was really the the origin of that and really helped grow the game of basketball that way. Basketball's got to evolve. The international game has helped it evolve in a healthy way where it's more team-based now and everybody has to contribute. And it's good to have other people contribute to your success because teams like the Warriors and the Celtics, they were able to make the NBA finals and, and win ultimately. Because they had those contributors, it it wasn't necessarily because they had the alpha megastar, despite the fact that Steph Curry is that breed, just a little bit different. I think that everybody has to evolve their takes with that and, and like celebrating a guy like Jokic and a guy like Giannis in that way. Okay, you don't have to be LeBron, you can be you, and that's good enough.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, there's two things to this, right? Like accepting that Antetokounmpo and Jokic are going to be, again, preeminent all-time NBA-level players. That's that's where they're going to end their careers. But I think a lot of this is basketball education. It has evolved to re-understand roster construction in ways that we never used to. Ryan, what was it, like five years ago where we were putting Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis on the same roster and saying, that hey, let's make it work. Surely that's going to be a contender. They're both talented. They both score 25+. plus. They both get 10-plus rebounds. They both get three-plus assists. They'll figure it out. But no, that's just not how it works. You know you need the Alice Caruso. You need the Contavious Caldwell-Post. You need the Kyle Kuzma to accept their role. You needed Dwight Howard. You need a McGee. You need the Kavon Looney. You need the Andrew Wiggins. You need the Clay Thompson. You need a Draymond. Now we understand that you need to build rosters around your players' talents that elevate their talent, but also mitigate the things they don't do well for Giannis. What was it? Playmaking, on-ball creation, shooting. So what did they do? Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Jokic. People are like, Jokic, why are you falling apart? He's not a great after-rim defender. He's not a great this and that. Well, okay, Aaron Gordon is here. He can do those things. But the problem is Aaron Gordon had to then turn into Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. because they weren't on the roster. So I think that's the thing. If you build a roster around these players, like they have Steph Curry, then you're having a whole different discussion about a player's legacy. So I think now, hopefully, as we're moving forward as an NBA society, we appreciate those things more. Because you know what? Contavius Caldwell post, those players matter now more maybe than it ever had before because of what we understand about basketball.
0: The greatest lie ever told in NBA history is that Michael Jordan did it by himself. Like facts. everybody, everybody contributed to those titles. Steve Kerr, huge shots. Like Scottie Pippen, the best defender on that team that also had Dennis Rodman in the second round. And Ron then, Harper. Like and Michael Paxton. Jordan. Exactly. Like Horace Grant. You've got some epic players that that helped contribute to that success. LeBron has had his own version of that where he had some former all-stars that were kind of past their prime in a lot of ways, but he also had some guys that were kind of co-stars, like, like legitimate co-stars and did oh, it that right. way. Dwayne Wade exactly like you've got Chris Bosch, you've got Anthony Davis in that conversation for sure I think if you're Denver and we'll get to this in the third segment too that Jokic is going to be the alpha star here but there are certain ways that you can take the burden off of his shoulders and Murray's going to be great for that Porter's going to be great for that KCP Aaron Gordon Bruce Brown they do it in their own different ways too but it's gonna take a village, as it does for everybody. Pat Conton was celebrated by Milwaukee. Bobby Portis was celebrated by Milwaukee in their right. title. They contributed to that damn thing. It wasn't just Giannis. He'll get the most credit, as he should, but it wasn't just him.
1: Right. What was Bobby Portis's reputation before he got to the buck? He was a cast off. Horrible. Horrible. He was a cast off.
0: He was with the Bulls, and then he was with the Knicks, and my God, was he awful with the Knicks.
1: Jokic tore him up. <laughs> exactly, but then what happened, you put him around an elite all-time level player, and then you put him in the proper role they're supposed to be in, and all of a sudden, we're not winning. it. So we, you go from being dirt in New York to we don't win the championship without Bobby Portis on the court. That's how important those players are
0: it's never just about the top guys. And until like, once you get to the mountaintop, then people like to talk about it the way that it was just you like, oh man, Jokic, if he's the only all-star on the Nuggets this year, then it's gonna be about, man, he took these guys by himself. Nobody in Denver's gonna think that. Everybody knows just how valuable it is because when it was just him, man, it was horrible. <laughs> it was really tough, and there was just a lot of struggles there. But I, I'm I'm with you, man. That it takes a village. It's gonna be a massive thing, and and for this Nuggets team, like for Jokic to look like an NBA pillar, he's going to need the supporting cast because it, it, that's just how it goes in the NBA today.
1: Yeah, and again, I just I want Nuggets fans to really like I said, I, and Ryan, you know, we can talk about this in a minute, but I, I don't think people maybe fully grasp how significant it's going to be to have players. You're going to be a Ryan. Matter of fact, I'm going to I'm going to put this down right now. I'm going I'm to make you a bet that I want you to remember eight months from now when we're getting close to the playoffs, near the playoffs, in the playoffs, I want you to remember the name Bruce Brown. Remember the name Jeff Green and Tavius Caldwell-Pope, and Aaron Gordon. And I want you to remember what we said right now. Do you realize, slated next to Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr., those four players, and Zeke Naji. those are championship-level role players. That, I, I truly believe that because those are the players that get you some of those dirty buckets, make those dirty plays, make make the make the the, the hustle plays, that get those rebounds, make the cuts that you didn't anticipate were going to be there, that are there available for open looks, and that when you needed to get a stop, Bruce Brown and KCP and Aaron Gordon were able to lock up Ryan. That's how you win championships. You let Jokic go get his thirties, fifteen, and and 15 or whatever the number is gonna be. Let Jamal get us 22, 24, five and five. Let Porter give us 21, seven and one. And then you let everybody else fill in the cracks and be the connector and that's how you win a ring.
0: It's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's it's one of the reasons why Nuggets fans celebrate Gary Harris and Torrey Craig as much as they do. Like those guys are those guys. Like they, they were championship caliber role players for what the Nuggets needed. They had to be turned into different pieces in order for the Nuggets to kind of evolve to the new version of themselves. But I do think that we're on the same page here that as we kind of transition into this Nuggets talk, It's going to be about the others, just as much as it is about getting back the supporting cast, getting back Murray and Porter. it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. But hey, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to transition into more Nuggets coverage. Just some general Nuggets thoughts and uh, should should be uh, some pretty interesting stuff. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I am joined by Swipe a Cam. We just had a a fantastic NBA discussion about Giannis and Jokic and just how Jokic has to evolve. Not not has to evolve, but how the the conversation around him is going to evolve as he gets his guys back. He looked great today. That was just my general takeaway. If, If I had one takeaway for anything, it's that he still looks like the best player in the world.
1: Yeah, and I think Jokic, I don't know, Ryan, maybe you can answer this better than me. I'm trying to figure out at what point did Jokic realize that not only like, am I the best player on the court, but I have full control of when I want to dominate a game. Maybe it might have happened in, in, you know, maybe in a bubble like that 11-point stretch he had in, uh, I think it was game two uh, versus L.A. in, in that series. It might have been the Nick Clippers series where he had the game seven. We had 16, 13 and 22, um, but it could have been that next year as well, right? Like at some point, Jokic just realized that like, you know what? Like I see Kawhi, I see Giannis, I see LeBron, I see AD, but I'm actually better than them. And I'm so much so that I'm going to watch you do what you do in the first half, maybe in the first three quarter. But by the time the fourth quarter comes around, right, as we saw versus the Pelicans, I'm going to score 30 points. I'm going to miss one shot. I'm going to have a 93% true shooting, and you're not going to be able to do a single thing to stop me. As a shooter, rim pressure, as a passer, none of it. I'm going to do whatever I want. And he did that today to Giannis. When he put Giannis on his hip, he knew Giannis was too small. So he literally – would wheel Giannis into the basket to where he literally could just do a flip shot right over him. And then if you tried to double, he would cut it to the corner without looking. And then by that point in time, the defense was so concerned with Jokic the score that the playmaker was on full display. And I'm telling you, Ryan, it's like watching, again, I've only seen a couple of players control a game like this. That would be LeBron James and Magic Johnson. And again, like Michael Jordan level players, players that you just have to look at at all times and say, bruh, I can't let him just cook me for a score, but at the same time, if he passes the ball, it's an open three pointer, open layup. That's what he looked like today.
0: He looked great. There's, there's no doubt about it that if if the Nuggets get this version of Nikola Jokic once again, they're going to be even better. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. But. We also got some other stuff uh, from from this summer and over the course of these past couple of weeks, we got some video drops of Michael Porter Jr. looking good, Jamal Murray looking good in their own individual runs. It's a lot of fun to watch Michael Porter Jr. shoot. It's a lot of fun to watch Jamal Murray shoot. Those guys are spectacular when they've got it going. It's it's even more so than Jokic sometimes. Like the crowd at Ball Arena, they will just. Go ham when MPJ gets hot and when Murray gets hot. It is just unbelievable to watch. And I think that's one of the things that the fan base missed this past year. And now you get excited about unlocking it for sure.
1: All right, Ryan, I got a tough question for you, putting you on the spot here. You ready? Oh, man. Here we go. Who, when they get hot of Jokic, Murray, and Porter, when they have their hot streak, who gets the crowd going the most? when they're on fire. It's undoubtedly Jamal Murray. Undoubtedly. All agree. And, and
0: I, I don't say that from a biased perspective. Like I, I am, I'm a little bit biased towards Murray over all these guys. Like if I had to pick a favorite player, it's probably Jokic, but Murray Murray has a special place for sure, because what he does when you, when he gets hot, he's one of those guys that he, because he controls the ball. And I think a lot of it is just kind of the, the NBA right. fan uh, like it, it almost defaults to the ball handler in a lot of these cases where you get to see them shimmy and shake and crossover and step back and everything Like you get to see him put other guys through the absolute ringer and he looks great doing it. And when the shots are dropping and it just feels like he's unstoppable, that is when the crowd, I think. Realizes, oh, we're, spe- we got something special going on because when he plays at that level, it's a surprise sometimes when Jokic plays at that level I don't think it's ever really a surprise to people like I I think most people because of the shots that he takes they're the five foot flip shots they're the turnarounds that he generally hits every time they're the mid-range buckets they're the walk-up threes like those are the shots I think that Jokic has ingrained into everybody's brain that he's going to hit them automatically but when Murray tries some crazy shit he gets the crowd going because he's got his uh, step back through the legs from 30 feet over Kawhi Leonard or whoever he's shooting over, and you just know that that is the moment where the other team's body breaks.
1: You know, Ryan, you just reminded me that 20, that 35, 28 footer, whatever it was that he hit over Anthony Davis in game three of oh the my God. Western Conference, Western Conference final. Ryan, I'm not gonna lie. I thought I thought Jamal Murray had just like went to some ancestral plane when he did that or even remember the 76ers game in 2021 where he was crossing the Matisse dive and Ben Simmons and Danny Green and like was just behind the back mixing and then step back sidestep three pointer. And I'm just sitting here like, dog, Jamal has elevated his game or Ryan, like you said, the 50 point game in Cleveland. 28 to 10 from, from the three-point line, 21 to 25 shooting, and then the DJ Wilson dunk versus the Milwaukee Bucks, or dunking it on Devin Booker when Devin Booker takes his blue arrow and does it in his face. Jamal Murray just has that kind of superstar antic to him. Like, oh, like, you want to see a show? All right, like, well, lean in. You're about to see one kind of thing, or a 21-point outburst versus the San Antonio Spurs in the second playoff game or a 21 and 24 point outburst versus the Utah Jazz and then a 40 piece 25 point first half versus Kawhi Leonard and Paul George because he believes that he's the same level of caliber player. I love that about Jamal and I sincerely miss that and I cannot wait to watch that live this season.
0: Those guys look good in their runs. We we won't see what they're going to look like until the preseason fully, but I I have to imagine I've got it from a pretty good source that they look really, really good. Uh, The last time these guys were on the floor, all three of them together in 2020 21, they averaged a combined 66 plus points per game. Only five teams have had three players in that, that point per game range last year. And they were some really, really good teams along with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, That is just, it's absurd, I think, to think about. I don't think those guys are going to get, they're not going to take that long to get adjusted, I don't think, because a lot of their stuff comes pretty naturally. And I think once Murray just sees the ball go through the rim and just dunks on somebody, he's going to be fully back. There's, There's no doubt in my mind. But I don't think there's any reason why they can't be better players than what they were when they left, like when they got hurt, because they're so young, they've got so much time, they have so much left to give to the game, I think, and so much left to prove in themselves that I don't see a, like, it's possible that they break that 66 threshold between the three of them, whether it's Jokic dropping 28 points, and then those guys each dropping 20, or if it's uh, Murray dropping 23 and Porter dropping 21. I, I don't know what it's going to look like, what that breakdown is going to be. But I do think that they're all going to be pretty special.
1: Yeah, I just think that people, we've been preconditioned to think like an ACL injury, like, you know, you, it takes a while for this and that. But I just want to say, like, I, I've, I've been around a lot of athletes in my life. But also with that, you look at the videos of Jamal Murray. Now, some of it's going to be the mental hurdle, like, you know, getting in a game and dunking on people and all that stuff. But what do you... Y'all, y'all think Jamal's, like, been in a wheelchair this whole time? Like, he hasn't been, like, no. working on his game, like, dribbling, like, shooting, like, dunking. Like, he, we've been dunking, Brian right since – when did he first start dunking? Like, February, like, March or something like that? So, it's been a – or whatever it was. whatever it was. But it, it's been a while. So, I think the thing with Jamal is, like, I fully expect from him mentally for the first month and a half maybe to, like, completely get locked back in. But I think by the time you get to January, December area – Jamal is going to be, again, Ryan, that last 25 games. I put this up many, a couple of times before. The last 25 games, he was averaging 24, 4, and 5. He was shooting 46% from three and over 50% from the field. He was a plus 177 in those 25 games. He had like a 63% true shooting. Like That's absurd. He was on a tear, Ryan. He was on a tear before he got hurt. So I have to believe that that's, that's coming back this season. The thing that
0: I'm most excited about for this season is exactly that. It's Murray reminding everybody just how good he is. He's been out of sight, out of mind for so long, for so many people that there's been a lot of other folks that have passed him up in the rankings in like the the national scope or whatever. I think Devin Booker rightly so has moved into that next tier of player where he's that all NBA guy now. He's one of those guards that's always going to be in in the among the six best guards at the position. That's that's just how he's viewed now. I don't know if that's necessarily how it should be viewed. I think that there's there's definitely some room for our interpretation there, but there was a time where Murray was absolutely better than him, where he was proving it on bigger stages when they were playing against each other. And it just didn't matter what Devin Booker did. Murray could always one up. Same thing with Donovan Mitchell. I think what you saw with Mitchell was that he was matching Murray from an offensive perspective, but from a defensive perspective, Murray's elevated his game. He's, he's into a whole nother tier from, from what Mitchell has ever proven to be at the NBA level. And, that is going to be the fun thing about this. Denver got an offensive and defensive upgrade when they go back to Murray at the point guard position. And seeing him just go off, seeing him get to this place, I- I'm just so excited for it.
1: Oh, Ryan, you mean a, a six foot five, roughly point guard is going to be a defensive upgrade that's athletic for the Denver Nuggets? Wow. What? Man, I, I can't <laughs> wait. I, I mean, we've had a six two and a five foot nine point guard for the last two seasons. So, again, that's going to help. Don't remind me. So, look, I know, I know, Marcus, Marcus Howard, Shaq Harrison, Baku, Austin. I mean, Ryan, people, people got to remember, like, we have been in some really difficult stretches in the playoffs the last couple of seasons. So, but here's the thing, Ryan, I want to hear what you have to say about this. You know what, I think the rest of the world might think that Devin Booker clears Jamal Murray, but you know who I fully know, I believe, doesn't believe that. And if anything is out to prove that that's a lie and it's always been a lie, it's Jamal Murray. I don't fully believe that Jamal Murray thinks he's better than Devin Booker because he has absolutely eaten up the Phoenix Suns over the course of his career. And you know what else? Based on what I know about Michael Porter Jr., Ryan, he's seen Trey Young become an all NBA player. Luka Doncic. He's seen Shea Gilkis pass him up in some of these conversations. Jaron Jackson Jr., Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. Ryan. I think that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. of healthy. I think they might be out for blood this season, right?
0: Joker's got some stuff to prove as well. I think he, he wants to change the narrative about his defensive conversation. He wants to, like, it's mostly about winning over anything, but those guys have something individual to prove for sure. That's going to carry Denver's record. That's going to put them into this position where as long as those guys are on the court, as long as they're continuing to play, I don't see any reason why they can't win 55 plus games. I think they could win more than that. We're just going to have to see what the actual number ends up being, but it just feels like there's a lot of people that just assume that those guys are going to get hurt again, or, or they're not going to look the same. And I just don't see any reason to believe why they wouldn't be like, there'll be an adjustment period for sure. Like, I, I don't think anybody's questioning that, but Denver's got a cakewalk schedule for those first few games anyway. So once they get into that tougher stretch, those guys are going to be cooking, and there's no doubt that they can win against anybody
1: with this squad. All right. At some point in time, I'm not going to lie to you. The, 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 the favor has to turn in favor of the Denver Nuggets at some point. We have been watching this team go through injury from Alex, from Alex English in the 1980s, from Danilo Gallinari in 2012, Jamal Murray in 2021. I'm telling you, I, I just feel it in my bones that we are on the precipice of a new era and that this team, if healthy, Ryan, people really, people are, Ryan, people are having discussions if Jokic is a top five player or not. People are having discussions if Jamal Murray will ever be an all-star or not. People think Michael Porter Jr. is just never going to actually become anything. And so all three of the Nuggets' best players, they have these narratives about them that they could go out and defeat this season. And they have the best roster they've had, the best defenders they have. And then Coach Michael Malone, Ryan, has never, ever been a serious candidate for Coach of the Year. And I have to think that if they're able to put it together this year, Ryan, with all the stuff they're going to have to do, look out.
0: I'll be pushing the narrative, that's for sure. I'll I'll, I'll make sure to write about it pre, preseason and then make sure to update people as it goes along. Like, hey, if, if you're going to credit anybody, if you're not going to give Jokic his third straight MVP after he averages 28, 13, and 9, then you might as well credit Michael Malone when the Nuggets win 58 games. Like, come on now, we, we, we're we at this place. We got to let this happen. Like, Michael Malone's one of the better coaches in the entire NBA, one of the best coaches in the entire NBA. And People don't give him enough credit for Definitely. what he does. Uh, what's a name that we haven't mentioned enough in this conversation about the Nuggets?
1: Oh uh, man, there's this, uh, I think he's from like Delaware or something mm. like that. I think he, I think he played some AAU basketball, like in the Philly area. I See, think he uh,
0: uh, got busy a little bit. like just Yeah, just a little, a little, little, bit.
1: little busy. His name is Bones Highland, Mile High City, baby. That's my dog. I can't wait to watch Bones Highland. Ryan, what do you think? What do you think gonna be with Bones Highland? What do you what do you expect from him this upcoming year?
0: I put out some numbers on a podcast that I recently did. And uh, it was it was a modest improvement from from what he was what he was doing last year. But what I didn't honestly account for in those numbers was that he had two separate seasons. He had the season that he played at shooting guard and he had the season that he played at point guard. And the point guard season was much better, and if you just take those numbers and then increase upon those, then he's looking like a a borderline all-star at that point. But I do think that he's in line for a big jump, whether it's the 13 points, four assists, three rebounds that I projected, or if it's more than that, if it's closer to, like, 16 five and five off the bench then if he did that and you've got the guys that you have in the starting lineup then you're really cooking with gas at this point and, and i don't think anybody questions how talented he is and whether he can get to that point whether he has enough shots whether he has enough opportunities right. i think is the bigger question but as long as he lead, as as long as he leads the offense in the way that i think nuggets fans know that he can then uh,
1: the sky is the limit for the dude Well, and even opportunity, uh, Ryan, you know, they're going to stagger a little bit, but who else is an on-ball creator in the second unit? Because Bruce Brown can do it, but that's not his main role. Uh, Christian Brown, not what he does. Davon Reed, that's not what he does. I mean, it's not not Zeke. Like, they don't do that. Jeff Green doesn't do that. He's going to have so much opportunity to do some real playmaking. And, again, there's going to be some stretches, Ryan, like that fourth quarter versus Philly last year where he's just going to be on one of those hot streaks, and he's going to have national televised games. And Christmas Day games and all these rivalry weeks in order to do all this stuff. Can you imagine Bones Highland? Matter of fact, the best player on the court versus the Suns when they beat the Suns by eight points in Denver in a Christmas game, it's not going to be Jokic. It's not going to be Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. It might be Bones Highland. But that also goes to show you how deep they are if they're fully healthy. Because last year, That wouldn't be the story at all. So, again, I think Bones Highland can have an incredible year because the person who doesn't doubt Bones Highland is Bones Highland. And Bones Highland does not have a ceiling for how good he's going to be this year.
0: If there's one other player that I'm going to mention, it's going to be one that you're – I bet you're not going to guess this one in a million years. It's DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan is not going to play a lot. And I think one of the things that he can do, though, is if you're coming off the bench and playing like 10 minutes a night, 10 10 minutes in a stretch, five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half. One of the best things he can do is set a mean screen for Bones Island. Make sure to get him free off the pick and roll. Make sure to get him free off of the DHL. Give him some space. If he can do that and just do it without racking up offensive fouls, that is going to be enough to free up Bones because that's one of my main concerns with the other group. It's like, okay, you've got Jeff Green, you've got Zeke Nashi. Are those guys going to be big bodies enough and setting good screens enough to get Bones free on a consistent basis? I don't know. So we're going to need to see whether, because like, that's one of the things that DeMarcus Cousins and Michael Green, when he wasn't offensive fouling, that's one of the things that those guys did really, really well was they would, they would get Bones free for him to do his own thing. Right. Uh, you're going to need guys that can do that.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, at this point in time, there's been so much negative said about DeAndre Jordan that I think people forget how important having size in the second unit is. That yeah. I know he's not like a great player, and that he has a negative. I Again, mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not advocating that he's gonna be a positive. So, Joe, please hear me. But a six foot eleven athlete who's able to actually work on the court and rebound at a decent rate, screen at a decent rate, and rim run at a decent rate with Bones Highland. I think Bones Highlands is a good enough playmaker that he's going to be able to at least open up to a degree. I'm not saying a, I'm not saying an ocean's worth, not even a reservoir worth, but just a puddle's worth. I think he's going to be able to get some talent out of DeAndre Jordan, and that actually could end up being one of the sleepy storylines of the Denver Nuggets season if they're able to open up a decent enough two-man game in terms of attacking the basket.
0: In between then and the trade deadline and whatnot, they'll have to try out Zeke Najee at five, they'll have to try out Jeff Green at five and whatnot and, and figure that out from a structural standpoint. But these are more these are more detailed questions. I don't really care for it at this point in August. We'll have plenty of time to talk about them. But and honestly, they might just trade for somebody. They might they might be like, right. Yeah, we 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 kind of we kind of screwed that up. We we need to go get somebody else that can right. help us. And maybe that's what they do. But honestly, I'm okay that they didn't focus on that. They got the they got the perimeter defense that they needed.
1: Thank goodness, you know. Now again, I think again the playoffs will be a lot different with Jamal Murray, KCP, Bruce Brown, and Aaron Gordon as your four main perimeter and wing defenders. And now again, the whole narrative changes, Ryan. Because all of a sudden, Jokic can't play defense when it's again Austin Rivers and everybody else. But now put those four out there and see if he can play defense or not. So I'm really excited to see what the conversation is going to look like next year if Jokic is looking like a lockdown center at times.
0: Now here's the thing: if he can't, and if he still can't, then that's a that's a pretty big concern.
1: But if he can
0: then it changes the conversation entirely and you just realize okay he's a he's a dependent defender but as long as you have other good players around him then you're fine like it's 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 all good so should be a lot of fun but for now uh swipe you've been fantastic i've been doing this segment in the third segment most of these podcasts with guests where i i don't talk about basketball at all and i talk about a different topic is there anything you want to get off your chest that doesn't relate to basketball in any way
1: uh no not right now man I'm I'm still on my high from Giannis and Yoko's earlier so that, that's all that's on my mind right now.
0: I love it. You you brought up a Dragon Ball Z reference in uh in the in the Twitter spaces that we were on earlier today. Um, I I, I think we could probably do animes at some point. I, I'm still I still probably rank uh, Yu Gi Oh as my favorite anime of all time, but uh, there's there's some other good candidates for sure.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, uh, audience, please we need to get Ryan up on. Ah, uh, just just do Kaizen. We need to get him on Black Clover. uh we need to get him up on uh, attack on Titan. There, there are some things you need to get you all around.
0: I've watched Demon Slayer. that's that's one that I have watched okay. and I've enjoyed for sure. I don't think I haven't seen the second season of Demon Slayer, but well, that's that's definitely one that I've got to check out. but uh, i've I'm not completely bereft of my anime knowledge. that's <laughs> that's definitely not a thing. But either way, swiper you've been fantastic, man. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. Anything else other than the YouTube channel that people should go check out?
1: Nah, man. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. You know, we're still growing the platform. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to make content for you all this year. It's going to be a great, great, great season.
0: What a king. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports i'll be back on monday i think i'm gonna get some sound paneling uh, in, in the in the place pretty soon so hopefully it doesn't sound like i'm in a cave for for the rest of this time because i know it does right now but uh should be very good i knew i needed to get it done before the the beginning of the season and we're gonna get it done so it should be a lot of fun everybody thank you so much for tuning in really appreciate all the love and support we'll talk to you guys next week